Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. Hey, I'm Rad. And I'm Paul. And on today's show, the ships in Ubisoft's Skull and Bones might be seaworthy, but is the game worthy of shipping in its current state? (laughs) Plus, we stared directly at Nintendo's future slate, and if you like DLC, you should have put an Elden Ring on it. Which is to say, the upcoming (laughs) Elden Ring expansion finally gets a gameplay trailer. That's right, we certainly have opinions. And listen, Rad, they say video game piracy is a problem, and after playing 10 hours of Skull and Bones, the new game from Ubisoft, I emphatically agree (laughs) so (laughs) skull and bones has taken 11 years to make it's been a development hell it's gone through six major delays and everyone was kind of thinking it had sunk without a trace but this open world pirate ish game is finally here and just quickly as the opening credits roll proudly through the names of all 11 global ubisoft studios who took part in the game like they're the cast members of marvel movies being revealed at comic-con or something i now think that was less a matter of pride and more a way of spreading the blame around <laughs> i will say when you said 11 i thought you were gonna say people and i was like hmm, that's why it took them 11 years <laughs> hi i'm doug i work on the sales yeah it, really <laughs> the thing is it's actually the brainchild of ubisoft singapore and their first project right was doing the naval content for assassin's creed 3 which was so good it spawned an entire pirate themed assassin's creed game called black flag did you play black flag and are you an assassin's creed person at all i'm not an assassin's creed person i played a little bit of i think one and three mm. and i've run around a bit in um one of the more recent ones that's kind of like that educational see history ones. I can't remember its name. In Origins, they let you kind of wander around ancient Egypt. I love their historical educational bent, but the thing is Black Flag was the game that let you leave the ship, run around, have adventures and come back. And in this game, Rad, and this is my main beef with this game, you aren't on the boat. You are the boat. So when you're in the ship... Wait, in Skull and Bones, you're the boat. Yeah. So it basically, it's basically an over-the-shoulder shooter. So... Being off the boat feels very unnatural in Skull and Bones. It's like you're... Wait, wait, Paul, Paul, you've confused me here. Okay. Are you the boat at all times? <laughs> so here's, here's what I'm trying to say. When you're in the boat, you are the boat. When you're off the boat, it's like you're playing as a dream the boat is having about what it must be like to be human based on <laughs> watching people leave the ship and run around. So does that make sense? You're the soul of the boat <laughs> in human form. Yes. Yeah. Now off to collect resources to keep yourself, the boat, uh, in good health. Yeah, like imagine if during the movie Cars, Lightning McQueen's like anima or whatever drifted out of the car and went to get petrol, right? That's not not Lightning McQueen. That's some part of Lightning McQueen doing something that is deeply unnatural to the processes of Lightning McQueen. This might explain why you can't jump on land, because how is a ship supposed to understand the concept (laughs) of jumping? But look... 
The game is a weird hodgepodge and people are kind of mixed on it. I just want to talk about what I like first because I don't want to jump on board the hater train too hard. You literally already have, but go off, King. Let me get off that train and get onto an adjacent, slightly nicer train. If you like the naval combat from Assassin's Creed games, I do as well. And the actual naval combat is quite nice. It's quite polished. Uh, it, it's very pretty. There's cool sea shanties. But here's the problem. It feels like that's where they started 11 years ago, and that's sort of where they stopped. So part of the piratey fantasy of these games is that you get to sail around and do whatever you want, right? So part of like, for example, in Black Flag, you might see an island in the distance. You pull up to it. It's got beautiful white sand and viridian water and you leave the wheel of your ship. You walk along the deck of your ship. You dive into the water, go onto the island, jump around, have fights, explore. Here, it's the exact opposite, right? Every island is an instance hub where you basically engage in awkward busy work and get quests and buy clothing. It is the opposite of that sort of pirate fantasy. I don't see how that's the opposite. I feel like the opposite would be you never get to go on land and then also you're a cop. Okay, so maybe... <laughs> Maybe it's, right, Ocean Cop. Maybe it's not quite Ocean Cop, Brad, but part of the problem here is that it's inevitably being compared unfavorably to Sea of Thieves. Are you a Sea of Thieves player at all? I've played some Sea of Thieves, but I would think that that's a good comparison, no, because Sea of Thieves was quite fun and it is a pirate game as well. And look, I do question whether they're actually similar or people have just gone... They're both pirate games, which yeah. I also think is fair. Yeah. Um, but how is that an unfavorable comparison? Or is it just because it's been done? The unfavorable comparison comes from the fact that Sea of Thieves has you interfacing with the game world in a very simple, clean, like deeply satisfying, a tactile way. For example, if you want to raise the sails in Sea of Thieves, you've got to run down to the bit where you kind of pull the ropes and do that shit manually, which makes actually using the ship feel like a f***ing accomplishment. So every time you pull into port, you earned it. So... Sea of Thieves has this aspect to it which feels, everything feels very tactile and earned, right? Like when we, whenever we park in Sea of Thieves, we try and park as close as we can to the pier. Every little mechanical act in Sea of Thieves feels like actual pirating. Whereas here in Skull and Bones, you hold S and then it loads you into your instance village. You're not using the ship. Mm. You are the ship, right? Right, right, right. So when you were saying comparison, I was thinking people were saying that they were similar, but mm. you're more saying... Uh, they're pointing out the differences that Sea of Thieves does right that makes, I guess, what Skull and Bones is getting wrong stand out all the more. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's an unfavorable comparison. And, I mean, part of the problem, right, is that Sea of Thieves and Black Flag have lots of things they both do very well, whereas Skull and Bones has taken away those little bits of flavor and those little bits of kind of naval fantasy. So, for example... In Black Flag, when you wanted to aim your cannons at the other ship, you had this sort of like glowing trajectory arc that you'd have to kind of focus and aim across. And that would take time because the people in your ship winching the cannons across could only do it so fast. So you actually had to kind of live with the restrictions and the hard parts about naval combat. Here, though, it's a first person shooter. So you aim your target, shoot, and the cannons hit 
pretty much immediately. So they stripped away that kind of navelness of the whole thing. To me, it sounds almost like uh, when you have kind of a racing sim versus an arcadey racer, right? Yeah. Like one is for the purists who want to be thinking about everything down to the tuning of your car, which I definitely know <laughs> what that means. Um, and the other one is... Your midtown madness. You just want to jump in a box mm. and like zip around and knock some stuff over. Do you think that that's a fair comparison? And do you think that there's a place for both? There is absolutely a place for both. And I would say it is a fair comparison. But what's interesting here is that when you're actually flying around in the ship, it does feel like that kind of arcadey version, right? And they have paired it back and kept it simple. You know, you are a ship shooting other ships. That's great. But you also have these weird sort of kind of things standing in the way of the fun. For example, you have an endurance meter for some reason, like your ship gets tired. As a ship? As a, well, Here's what I'm trying to figure out, right? So, look, ships don't get tired. They're f***ing ships. Like, it made sense in uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Odyssey where the ships were being rowed by people. You know, you had actual people rowing. Endurance makes sense when you have people in the ship. But the wind doesn't get tired. So now I'm thinking maybe the captain gets sleepy and needs a nap and you're giving them a hot stew to wake them up mid-sail. But I think what it actually is is they need to create a resource-gathering loop because it's a live service game. So they've introduced mechanics like you get tired or your ship gets damaged or you need ammo or whatever so it's 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 needless busy work i think it's a funny one isn't it because games are fantasy mm. we know that we, like we know that going in there's a lot of things that we accept in games that makes no sense like a double jump but at the same time you're right like it feels unsatisfying if there's certain elements that seem like they should keep you in the conceit of the story or the the context mm. but instead they pull you out because you couldn't even say like it's a fuel meter because it's a it's an old school pirate ship you're right it's like run on wind and rudders and currents <laughs> the waves that's how they move exactly again i don't know that much about ships but i know that they don't need endurance <laughs> no i mean look here's the thing if you're sailing into a headwind you sail slower so you can get a wind behind you there's all like all the basic stuff that would make a pirate sailing game fun is there and don't get me wrong when you talked about that sort of fine-tuning, you know, auto-nerd McLaren-style game where you're taking care of every aspect of things, I don't need to plane the timber that gets put onto the ship deck, right? But I do like a certain degree of interacting with the world in a way that feels... And maybe that's why Sea of Thieves is so good. Like, raising a sail, watching the wind fill it, and then actually kind of tacking it so that you're heading in the right direction and getting speed. There's no mini-game, and there's no min-maxing, and there's no stats in that game that help you kind of wring everything out. You just hear the flap of canvas, and you know that you've caught the wind. That's it. It's like they've gotten the mouthfeel of sailing so clean and simple and they've added meat to the bones over the years whereas this game it's all meat with no bones in it because they took the bones out right like it's all beautiful graphics and really cool skins and you know different decals and whatnot but the actual mechanics underneath it it's like this it's like biting into a hollow apple as a live service game do you think that it's going to continue to stand because theory goes right it's not just about the game that you can play it's mm. about how you can spend time with other people and that's one thing that makes sea of thieves great do you think that it's i guess maybe maybe it's sugar right is it sugary enough that it's just a space to hang out here's the problem brad 
Uh, I've been playing, and so have you, a lot of Helldivers 2, which is a live service game that just gets the sugar right. I mean, the gameplay loop and the aesthetic and the tone and the community, whereas Skull and Bones, because they delayed it so many times, and originally it was like a 5v5 Overwatch-style skirmish game, and then it was a sort of single-player game, there's just not enough of a hook there to get me in. And as far as hanging out goes... You're a pirate. So typically speaking, what happened to me was I'd sail into open waters and get ganked. Maybe I'll check back in in a year and see how it looks, right? Maybe I will, because frankly, I love the pirate life. I find it so appealing, apart from the scurvy. I find the whole pirate theme so enjoyable, but the sugar isn't there right now. I mean, a year is a long time, and I think that that can be a tall order for a lot of live service games, particularly Mm. as so many keep coming out. Uh, But on that point, and on your point about Helldivers, you're still playing it, Paul? Oh, yes. I'm playing a lot of Helldivers. One week on, still in it. Still in it. So am I, and that is our weekly Are You Still Playing Helldivers check, which we will continue to do until (laughs) we're no longer playing it. We need a jingle. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I can't figure out the time on this one because time goes weird when you record a podcast and there's a little bit of edit time. So I'm going to say very recently, <laughs> uh, Nintendo had <laughs> their latest Nintendo Direct, which was uh, full of announcements and uh, showcasing a lot of the games that are coming out uh, with their partners. So not uh, Nintendo IP. Mm-hmm. And oh, Paul, I got to say, I was a little disappointed I wouldn't say that there was a lot in there that grabbed my attention, that excited me. Um, I would say that most of the games weren't for me, and that's okay too. But was there anything on there that actually did grab you at all? The only one that piqued my interest was Another Crab's Treasure. It's a game where you play as a hermit crab whose favorite shell, I believe, has been stolen, and you're on a quest to get it back. And so as you kind of move through the environment, you pick up alternative shells, which can be like a can or a mug or a cardboard box. And they apparently give you different powers that you use to fight enemies um, on your quest for, to re- reclaim your shell. That's, that sounds very, very cute. It also sounds like um, people who uh, flip properties, you know, kind of move from house to house, do it up, sell it off. <laughs> I assume this I assume this deeply charming game is not a metaphor for real estate tycoons at all. This is just a straight up crab adventure. Um, I think if anything, it would be more like renting because I do believe you pick up and then lose shells as you go and like pick up different ones. It's not like a tier system where you work through the shells until you get to ultimate shell. But I could be wrong because it was just a trailer. I didn't play it. Okay. It's got a super cute cartoony style. It feels really warm, very, very family friendly Mm. and a little bit of humor in there too. But the main reason that this really captured my attention is it called itself 
souls like. What the f does that mean? <laughs> Like the Dark Souls series? No, I know what Souls-like means, but how is a crab game about a crab in Hermit... Like, how is that a Souls... This term is bandied around, Rad. How, <laughs> how do they justify this? Um... Look. Not sure if they did. Not sure if they did, but... Look, for something to be Souls-like, to me, it's all about the combat, right? Because mm. those games have such a specific combat feel that even though across all of the different Souls-like games, the kind of mechanics underneath it are very, very different, it all gives you the same mouthfeel. Yeah, okay, so there's a lock-on, there's parry, it's fairly unforgiving, you come away feeling like you've earned your combat. I mean, unless the crab like wakes up at a bonfire and there's screaming in the distance and you have to whip your shell <laughs> off and use it to parry. I don't see how this is a Souls-like game. Is it a, okay, again, I haven't seen the footage. Is it a platformer? Is it a Vania game? Like, what is it? Oh, no, no, no. It's a third person adventure combat game, I guess. There was a shot of what looked like a boss fight that I would actually say was maybe a bit Souls-like. Oh. You're in kind of this cathedrally looking arena where it's got maybe like a tiled or marble floor under the ocean and there's a, a, a woman's voice I think she may be a jellyfish or something and she's huh. big and she says something and it's like it's like the build up before a boss fight who's the crab from uh, the little mermaid What's his name again? Sebastian. Sebastian. This sounds like a gritty, like a gritty origin story for how Sebastian ended up working at the King's Court. Well, the thing is, it's not even gritty. It's like very cartoony and plush. And it really got me thinking about games that are essentially family friendly skins yeah. of other games. So, <laughs> for example, like the big one that comes to mind for me is mm. uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is XCOM. like a family-friendly skin of XCOM. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I was wondering, A, if you can think of any others, mm. and B, what you think of family-friendly skins as a genre. I didn't play the Bluey game, but it would be really funny if that was just a family-friendly skin of, like, Detroit becoming human. <laughs> like, you can't just make a game and then have the blood become confetti. It's... How often is this done, though? Like, how often do they take a super adult game, right, and make it kid-friendly? You can't do it with shooters, obviously. We're talking adventure games, platformers, stuff like that. Back in the day, there was that Nerf first-person shooter game, which I played so much of. I absolutely loved it. Right. And that one people called, like, a skin of Unreal Tournament. Which was another game that I really loved, but was I was technically too young for it. But funnily enough, that Nerf game also got an M rating because you're right, like shooting is just a little bit of a no-go. But I think it's something that developers also often don't think about. They're not necessarily making games for them to be friendly to all ages because... Mm. Unfortunately, I think a lot of developers or adults even don't necessarily value a young audience in that way. They're just making something that they're proud of that they like and they can potentially be a bit careless about leaving stuff in that means that it can't be played by a young audience. So I worked in uh, kids TV about video games for many, many years. Mm. We would see this all the time. The Wonder Boy remake, which was a very popular kids game from like the 80s, had a character, he's just like the shopkeep, mm. had a character with a cigarette just in his hand down by the table and that shot it into M rating and then we weren't allowed to cover it. Oh God, that's, oh, we could have been smoking anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
the fact that he was smoking at all. Uh, it's just a complete no-go for kids. And it's things like that. It's really crazy how just making the smallest tweak, because I don't, like, surely there would have been no one there that was like, it is fundamentally, crucially important that this pig is smoking, otherwise the game is ruined. Smoke hand. Like, yeah. surely it's a little... <laughs> It's a little detail that if you just delete, it opens up a whole nother audience for your game. And I think that's why, you know, some of these reskins do end up being so successful because there's great gameplay to be had. But just because of the styling that's on it, Mm -hmm. uh, it stops young people from playing it. But having a family friendly styling means that older people can play it as well. Like Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle was a well celebrated game. If you're a developer and you have a great game, and someone like Nintendo is going, look, we're going to champion this game, but you need to get rid of the pig cigarette. And you're like, no, I'm an artist, <laughs> goddammit. Then I think you need to just take a look at your priorities. <laughs> Simple. But hey, if they can get it right, I am all for a crab-skinned Souls game because they have, Souls games have some of the best combat in, I'm not even going to say some, I'm going to say the best combat in the biz. Yeah. Uh, they have a way of fine-tuning it to such a degree that it feels so satisfying. Like these are ludicrous games that feel like they come from galaxy brain teams. And to that, Bandai Namco and From Software have just shown us the first glimpse of Elden Ring's new DLC, Shadow of the Erd Tree, which is due out June 21st. And Paul, I am so excited. And Rad, bit of a shameful admission, maybe not shameful, maybe it's worthy of praise, but I went through my Steam library and I collated how many hours I've spent playing uh, Souls games, specifically like the From Software kind of games. I'm sitting on about 2,200 hours for these games. Oh, but... In fact, Rad, I became so addicted to Souls games that uh, I was staying somewhere for a job once I was like staying in a little service department and I was playing Dark Souls into the night so much that I was starting to kind of rock up a little bit late occasionally so I had to go down to the concierge (laughs) give him my Xbox and say please put this in the safe until I check out in two weeks and he did and it 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 worked it worked a treat I have no self-control with these games you're one of those people that takes off uh, a couple weeks from work when a new game gets dropped and look I respect it I respect it did you finish Elden Ring I finished it five times right (laughs) You're kidding. You're actually, are you serious? Yeah, I'm deadly. I'm deadly serious. Yes. Oh my God. I've played only like tens of hours of the game, but I'm so like stressed and shit at them that I think I've only beat one boss. Oh no, maybe two. I'm not very far at all. (laughs) Somebody once described Souls games to me as they said, okay, imagine you're playing Groundhog Day, right? Where every time you go through the, the game and die, you're learning something. So it's like mastery through repetition. And then I realized... I don't have to be naturally talented at these games. I just have to keep going. I just have to keep beating my head against the wall until my stupid brain learns to block and do whatever. So it never feels like the characters get more powerful. It feels like I'm getting better. And maybe I keep pushing through these games because along with the beautiful set dressing and the fact that George R.R. R. Martin, the uh, the Game of Thrones guy, helped kind of story build and world build for uh, Elden Ring... I'm in a place that is fascinating and thematically interesting, but I'm also just, I hate to say it, but I'm getting good in the process. I think that's part of what makes uh, the Souls games so special because it's like, it's impossible to just level up to the point where the game is easy. There'll be kind of easier parts if you do that, but it's never going to get you through the whole game. Whereas there are a lot of games where it's just, you get that one gun or you do this or that and you can kind of fudge your way through. It's a lot harder to fudge Mm -hmm. your way through these. 
And when you do, it feels more like the game was allowing you to rather than <laughs> rather than you actually found an exploit. They just feel so tight. Oh yeah, and they lull you into a false sense of security. And every time a From Software game releases a DLC like this one, you rock up and you're in your overpowered character in your endgame armor and you're like, cool, now time to steamroll this. Nope, like th- <laughs> this is going to be really difficult. Now, I was watching the gameplay footage and they've introduced a couple of new enemies. There's a couple of new boss types. It looks like from what they've shown, there might be some kind of melee martial arts movesets they're introducing. Like you might be able to actually punch and kick people, which is something that very much excites me. But really, as with all From Software trailers, it doesn't reveal anything. It just shows a bunch of cool shit and it's up to us to pick through the rubble until the game comes out. Yeah, with the press release uh, for this trailer, it included... A probe's nothing. There's no explanation as to what this is. It includes the prose. The land of shadow, a place obscured by the Erd Tree, where the goddess Marika first set foot, a land purged in an unsung battle, set ablaze by Mesmer's flame. It was to this land that Maquella departed, divesting himself of his flesh, his strength, his lineage, of all things golden. And now Maquilla awaits the return of his promised lord. Like, what the f*** does that mean? I don't f***ing know, and I played the game five times, right? I don't know what I mean. <laughs> I re- look, I recognize a few a few things there. I know who I know those names, because I've fought those people. I know what the Erd Tree is, but I mean, God, I mean, there's like 900 hours of explainer videos of the lore of these games online, so if you want to dig in, dig in. But you wait, just you wait. This is just going to make things messier and better. This is this can only be a good thing, this release. Yeah, I feel like even when From Software have their maybe like less strong or less popular releases, they still don't mm. miss. They're still just excellent pieces of world building and combat and gameplay and secrets and tricks. And it's just such a delight. So I'm really excited about this one. They always have super duper interesting character design that I feel like I don't see anywhere else. Um, They're also releasing a special edition of this DLC, which feels kind of weird, like to have a special, like a collector's edition of a DLC, I think is bold as hell. Uh, But they also do like some of the best uh, statues. And I'm not generally a statue person, but I would definitely go souls statues um if i had anywhere to put them uh but they've got a Mm. 46 centimeter statue of mesmer the impaler for this collector's edition which looks really cool so i don't know man i'm just stoked on souls it's gonna be so great and if the end boss is a giant hermit crab then someone's gonna get sued (laughs) well they did show an arm coming out of like a wet egg so maybe maybe that's the end (laughs) boss that's kind of like a hermit crab. <laughs> oh my god, it is! It is. It f***ing is. Well, you know what else is? This is the end of our episode of oh Game god. for Anything. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you soon. Bye, everyone! <laughs> <laughs>